Highway and Sports Talk. Today is Wednesday, September 25th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and, and also tomorrow is Michelle's birthday, so happy birthday to my beautiful wife. Uh, it's going to be a great day. We're both going to take off Friday, so we're going to have a long three-day weekend, but again, happy birthday, and thanks for doing the intro, and we have Trey with us tonight. Trey, how's it going, man? Hey, how's it going? All good, man. Hey. Uh, Wednesday is here, man. It's flown by. This week has flown by, and and uh, glad you're joining us tonight. And Trey, last weekend in college football was kind of boring. It was a snooze fest. Uh, give, give me give, give me your thoughts on this weekend. What do you think it's going to be like? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, Tarvin. Of course, there's a couple of ranked games, which always uh, makes for interesting. Uh, you know, your viewing pleasure, but I think there's a couple of teams, Tarvin, that I'm going to put on upset alert tonight during our show, so be ready for that, Tarvin. I got a couple. I know that uh, I put one of our games on that you announced last Sunday. It was on, you know, that you were picking an upset. We'll see if you actually do today on your pick. But I got a team, Tarvin, in our, our top ten that you may not think is an upset alert. Who I have an upset alert. So uh, we'll have to see what you think. Are you talking about the Washington State game? Stanford? Yeah, that, that, that's the game that you, you referred to last Sunday, yep. No, I see what you're doing. You're trying to to see if I'll put up or shut up, right? <laughs> hey, you, you mentioned it, man. I had to put it out there. But that is a big game, and and we have um, ten great games that Trey has chosen for us tonight. Five NFL games, and if you don't think Trey's games are tough, what do you think? Just look at the records from last week, Trey. The NFL was, uh, I don't know. That's exciting when you can't predict a game. That's exciting to me. And the NFL this year so far after three weeks has been amazing to me. There's so many things we're going to talk about tonight about the NFL, Trey. And give the call-in number real quick, 646-716-5564. Come on into the chat room, everybody, if you're listening right now. Uh, come join us and interact with us during the show. Trey, I know you're not in the chat room yet. Are you going to be available in the chat room tonight, yeah. or are you just going to be on the phone? Yeah, I'm trying to get into the chat room now, man. Uh, there's some okay. a little bit of chat room issues. So, well, let's just let's just start off right quick, and we won't talk long about it. But but like we talked about the the other night, baseball is here. I mean, this is heating up. Like if you're a sports fan, Trey, NFL, college football. Now we have the playoffs coming in Major League Baseball. The Braves did it. Uh, they won the East, but I still don't have that warm and fuzzy feeling, Trey, about the Braves right now. Uh, I just see so many teams playing better. <laughs> St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and the Dodgers, Trey. I think Atlanta's, you know, the odd man looking out right now in my eyes, looking in the National League. I think. Yeah. Man. I think that the Braves, I'm looking at, you know, how they're built. Uh, and I just, you know, I wonder – what they're going to be able to do when it comes down, you know, to who, you know, whether they're the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, I, I think they match up a little bit better against Pittsburgh if they play them, Tarvin. Um, but even then, they have a lot of strikeout pitchers. The Braves, we talked about this, you know, sort of ad nauseum, how they're sort of feast or famine. So, 
you know, a good good run of strikeout pitchers uh, like the you know Pirates have, or even the Reds who have a good frontline starter. I just, I, you know, I'm worried about them in a in a seven game series. I am too, and especially playing the Dodgers trade of the strikeout pitchers there. St. Louis, I can't remember his name, had a guy almost throw a no hitter last night. So I mean, it's Pittsburgh with Liriano. I, I just don't know. AJ Burnett can strike the Braves out. I would love to see the Atlanta Braves make it to the World Series. Trey, I will be going to a postseason game this year in Atlanta. Uh, just depends on who they play. But, I mean, I'm going to pull for them. I think they can get there if they just play good and get hot at the right time. It's all about how are you how are you pitching and how are you hitting. I mean, it's every day. This is seven-game series. The first round's five, correct? Or did they extend it to seven? Uh, no, I think it's I think it's seven now. Um but it may be five still. And actually, you know, I was just thinking that too. I was trying to think about <laughs> last year under the wild card. If it, I think it, I think it may be seven now. But either way, I think the Braves. You know, we're talking about you know facing a, a Clayton Kershaw or a guy like that in a five-game series. You know, you'd like to, like you like the, the Dodgers' chances there. But if you're the Braves and you're looking at, um, you know, the playoff picture, you're, you know, right now, if they remain, you know, and sort of hold on to that number one seed. You know they're looking at playing the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, or the Cincinnati Reds winner now. I know that you know St. Louis. I mean, you're talking about what they're doing in that push for the number one overall seed. I mean, Michael Waka, the rookie last night, you referred to it eight and two thirds innings of no hit ball, and it, you know, he gets a, a infield single, uh, breaks it up with two outs in the ninth. So you know he is a guy who is um, they've not counted on this year. He's been a relief. He started, it's been down, he's sort of been all over the place. And he's a guy who now can be plugged in like as a three starter or even a four, Tarvin, and he looks pretty darn good. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're Adam Wainwright, I think he has 18 wins. I mean, so the Braves have, um, you know, there's going to be some issues unless they just go into the, play, the playoffs really, really hot. And right now, Tarvin, they're not, that, you know, that kind of hotness they're going to need in the playoffs uh, with the feast or famine way they've been uh, this year with their hitting. So if St. Louis gets the number one overall seed right now, that's what they are. Uh, that means the winner of the wild card game will go to St. Louis, correct? And the Atlanta Braves will play the Dodgers. Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, Atlanta had every opportunity, uh, and they still do. It's not over with yet. But uh, to play winning baseball and to get that number one seed at home field advantage, so. You know what, Trey, you beat a wild card team, which is not easy. You win the series, and all of a sudden you're in the NLCS. It's going to be a lot tougher road playing the Dodgers. And you know as well as I do, the Dodgers have let off the game. They've won three in a row, but they're not playing with that intensity that they were playing with. But that will change as soon as the playoffs start. So one thing I dread, I will not go watch Atlanta play Clayton Kershaw and try to hit him all night. You'll see, you'll see 18 strikeouts in game one if that's the case. So it's going to be interesting to see the American League wild card. I mean, there's no – the NL is already wrapped up, Trey. So just looking at it right now in the wild card, uh, Texas is only a game out of the wild card right now. Tampa Bay and Cleveland uh, hold it right now. But any chance that Kansas City four games out, Trey, could catch them? Any chance? I mean, it's not an impossibility, or they'd be out. But I mean, there's really no chance. I mean, this is a three-team race. Four games out is just—it's just too much. I mean, they need to go undefeated and have a lot, a lot of other people lose basically almost every game. And this is going to come down to Cleveland uh, and Texas. And you know, you talk about 
you know, being hot at the right time, you know, can your team, you know, play their way in their their way in? You know, you're you're looking at Cleveland, Tarvin, eight and two in their last ten. They've won five in a row. I mean, that's the kind of that that's where you want to be at this time in the year. I mean, even the Tampa Rays, seven and three. Um, you know, they're looking good. They've won five in a row, including they're you know playing in New York right now, and they're up three two. And then you look at Texas, five and five in their last ten, even though they've won two in a row. So, you know, you're looking at teams right now who are – and maybe Texas turns it around, um, you know, and keeps their streak going tonight. But, I mean, the Indians are up 4-2 right now. It looks like they're going to get another win. Uh, if they hold on, you know, Tampa's got a one-run lead, which is, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that. So, and Texas is down right now, 3-1 to one to Houston. I mean, so these are the games right now. This is where you have to be hot, Tarvin, and it looks like the Indians are that team right now. Yeah, and the Braves are at home. Right now, I think it's the sixth inning, something like that, down 3-0 to Milwaukee. If you're you're trying to get home field advantage in the one seed, Trey, you don't come in and lay an egg against Milwaukee. That's one thing that scares me about this Braves team, and, and I, I'm telling you, I've lived here a while, and I've, as a kid, I remember the Braves. Trey, this team doesn't play well in the postseason. It never has. I mean, they, have, they do have a World Series, but my gracious, it's just hard to watch knowing that any minute the collapse is going to start. One good thing about the Braves, Trey, is the other teams in the East collapsed this year. They didn't have to really worry about it. So it's going to be interesting to see. When do the playoffs start exactly? Is it next weekend? Yeah, I think it's uh, – yeah, next weekend, I think, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll be following that. We'll do a special baseball edition and, and go through the playoffs for all the baseball fans out there, Trey. But let's turn some to some current events that – I mean, I know I'm the minority when we start talking about this this 10-state case that happened with the NCAA uh, hamstrung with scholarship losses, Trey. It comes out today that the NCAA is going to start reinstating scholarships to Penn State, and I think I'm one of the few that, that totally disagree with this. I just want your thoughts on it. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about the NCAA giving those scholarships back? Yeah, I mean, it's it's expected, I guess, is my first reaction because the NCAA outlined a certain guidance and certain sort of goalposts for um, for Penn State to reach as an institution. And if they did that, Tarvin, then they were going to be able to do this. And so as they met those, it's not it's not in I guess you know it's not something that I was surprised at that they're giving these scholarships back. You know, I know a lot of people have hated on the NCAA for what happened with Penn State. I know you and I kind of were not in that boat. I I honestly, I'm sort of lukewarm on this, Tarvin. I understand they've done a good job of, you know, implementing the stuff that the NCAA asked for. But I just go back to the, the lots of institutional control they had over this scenario. I look at what I think um, some evidence showed that Joe Paterno was covering up some stuff. I had more knowledge than he was able to willing to admit. Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there who doubt that, or people who say the NCAA's investigation was flawed. Uh, but there's a lot of explanations that we have or don't have from the institution of Penn State um, and what Joe Paterno, you know, covered up, if he covered up something. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of things that they, they didn't answer they could have. So and that's why I guess when I look at this, Tarvin, I, I realize it was a goalpost, but uh, you know, it's just it's, it was a little bit bittersweet to get those scholarships back after what happened. Well, I mean, I was so disgusted. This this was totally uh, all of these scholarships, the uh, the law, the forfeit of wins, the bowl bans was to prove a point. 
and just like you said, the lack of institutional control. These people put winning in football ahead of the well-being of children. And what are you saying now, Trey, for all the other schools out there uh, this could happen at? Well, okay, if you do it, we'll lose a few scholarships for a year, lose a bowl, but they'll come back and reinstate them. I mean, there's no, no accountability, really, and that really upsets me. And you see USC, what they did with Reggie Bush, lost their national championship. He lost the Heisman. They lost all of the scholarships and bowl band. I didn't see the NCAA trade coming and trying to make that right unless the fear. This is total – I mean, it's ridiculous. and it's, it's really upset me to see all this trade because, I mean, here's the deal. Kids were hurt. Innocent children were taken advantage of and abused on Joe Paterno's watch. He knew about it. Everyone in that school and the coaching staff knew about it. The president knew about it, the AD, and nothing was done. That's what I have a problem with. And all of these people try to say, oh, you're hurting the kids. They didn't do it at Penn State, the players. Well, go to another school. We're shutting it down. Uh, I just, I'm just so disgusted with this, Trey, and I, I hope I'm not offending anyone out there, but that's just my feelings on this subject. And I don't know what else to say, Trey. Tell us your thoughts about Southern Cal. I mean, why didn't the NCAA try to make that right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can go back on the NCAA. I mean, the Miami debacle is still going on. But, you know, the thing about the Penn State that really gets the uh, the lawyer side of me going is, you know, there's still two guys who are, um, you know, in the chain of command, if you would, at Penn State who were indicted for basically lying and covering this up. And their trials have yet to go. So, you know, for the, for the folks in Penn State who say that, you know, the NCAA kind of made up this stuff and there was, an, there was a lot of evidence, well, there was clearly enough evidence where other people have been indicted from this. And, you know, I know an indictment isn't a, isn't a you know, a guilty uh, trial and doesn't necessarily mean they did anything wrong, but that, that indicates to me, Tarvin, you know, when you're looking at a lower standard than you use in court, which is the NCAA uses, that, and that's what bothers me about about this whole thing from the NCAA and, and what Penn State and now is now getting back. And sort of to answer your question, Tarvin, about, you know, the USC stuff, I mean, there's – who knows? I mean, that's the problem with the NCAA is there's really no consistency with really anything they do. And I think that, that that's when they lose so much credibility. Yeah, I mean, you saw Johnny Manziel on tape sitting there doing something, getting paid for it, nothing comes out of it. Uh, you see DJ Fluker in Alabama admit to all this stuff and nothing so far. Maybe they're looking into it. Last I heard, Alabama was lawyered up and they're they're about they're looking at it actually. But I mean, yeah, Miami, you deserve to know whether what you did was terrible or not. You still deserve to know so you can go on with your your life. You never know. Next week, Trey, the NCAA could come out and give Miami the death penalty for God's sake and, and another crazy move. One thing I know is the NCAA is very unpredictable. I mean, Trey, I'm scared to see what's going to happen to Miami. It could be a slap on the wrist or it could be the death penalty. But this is not about the NCAA. This is about – this is just about the Penn State story is right and wrong. And, again, this is showing that money and winning in football is more important than the well-being and integrity of, of grown men. I'm just sick to even see this back in the news, but to reinstate what you took away from a program. I mean, okay, so if you go a year without raping an innocent child, you will you will get some scholarships back. I mean, come on. I'm so I'm just so aggravated about this trade. I won't beat a dead horse about it. I just wanted to see your to hear your thoughts about it, let everybody know mine. I'm just not happy with it. And and Trey, I just don't know. There's nothing they could do to ever make this right, Penn State. No money, no fine 
uh, a million scholarships won't do it. What they did was wrong. What they covered up was wrong. And there's nothing you could do, right? Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, obviously the, the damage is done. A lot of lives have been, you know, forever impacted by this. So, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, you just got to hope the family in some sort of way doesn't, you know, doesn't look at this as sort of you and I are looking at it. Um, these families of the victims, you know, I just really wonder what they think. And that's, you know, because that's, that's the people we need to be concerned about. Yeah, and, and we'll touch on this more, Trey, if, if anything else develops. But tonight, this is about NFL and college. And I don't know if you heard, but Florida Gators lost a huge defensive tackle, senior Dominique Easley, Trey, right knee injury out for the season. This comes after losing their quarterback. I mean, this, these are two leaders on the team. The six players they've lost for the season so far this year and two of their top leaders. What do you think? Is Driscoll and easily replaceable, really, uh, for Florida to make a run at the SEC East? Well, I mean, Driscoll is. I mean, I think Murphy is going to be – I think Murphy's going to be better, which is unfortunate for, you know, all the Gator haters out there. Um, but, you know, I haven't heard that on Easley, Tarvin. I heard, I had heard that he was day-to-day or they were reevaluating it. Is it. Is it confirmed from the – from the program that he's he's out for the year because I I earlier today I saw on Twitter that uh that must uh must champ was saying differently what's the is that the latest yeah, the latest he's out he said it was he just tweaked his knee and it was in non contact that he was covering it up he was trying to hide it as long as he could but he is out for the year uh, this is one of their top players Trey I just don't see him able to replace a senior with that kind of experience. On a defense that good, one player on a defense can can make a huge difference. Trey, we've seen it uh, years and years. I mean, it, it just happens. Florida is just running on some bad luck now, and losing to Miami, having the bye week. Luckily, Tennessee didn't play well the other day in the swamp, or they'd have lost that one. This season is not looking good for Florida. Trey, I believe you picked them to win the East, if I'm not mistaken. I'm glad I picked South Carolina, which I don't even think they will now. But Florida winning the East is is not very good right now. Yeah, I mean that prediction obviously is 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 in danger, a major danger for sure. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I think you know Murphy is going to be better for them. Uh, we'll have to see how he plays under big game pressure. I mean, he let him back from Tennessee, and when he, remember when he came into Tennessee, they were they were you know down seven to nothing, and you know I know that's Tennessee and their defense isn't you know the stoutest, but it's still you know thrust into a you know, a, a program against Tennessee of that that caliber, and, you know, he let him back. So and we'll have to see him. He's got some big games left to to sort of prove himself, Tarvin. But I think Easley is a bigger loss, and this guy is, is an impact type of player. Um, that's the one I think that is really going to hurt uh, Florida more. So we'll have more to come on Florida, Tarvin. They don't have much of a test this week, so they'll have a little bit of time to work on it. Wow. You know, I mean, you made a preseason prediction, and that's what we talk about, preseason. You don't know injuries that happen. You don't know how teams gel together. Uh, That's why it's preseason. You did the best you could by predicting it. But Florida is in trouble. I just worry about their offense. I know their quarterback's better now, but I still don't see any playmakers on that offense, really. That defense is one of the best in the country, no doubt. Just watching them play, but losing easily like that. Could hurt them. And, and, Trey, I know you're not a Tampa Bay fan in the NFL, are you? No, no. But, you know, what's crazy um, about Tampa's news is, 
Actually, I don't, I don't think it's crazy at all, and I'll tell you why. But I guess we're getting to Mike Glennon being the starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, honestly, what what do you have to lose if you're Tampa, Trey? I mean, what do you have to lose? Josh Johnson has done nothing but stink it up. Or Josh Freeman, I'm sorry, has done nothing but stink it up. I'm thinking baseball. Um, you know, he's, he's what is he, less than 50% this year in three losses. And in that division, and we, we, I talked about it. You know, we talked about Tampa's chances in their division. You're going up against three Pro Bowl quarterbacks, really, that could be possibly. And so you you have no room for error uh, for even less than 50% of the passes. That's not going to cut it. So I think this is just a desperation move. But really, Trey, if, if Glennon fails and he doesn't do good, what have you lost, really? Well, and this is my thoughts on, on why they went with Glennon, uh, is because, one, I think, um, you know, they, they realize that, you know, Josh Freeman is what he is, and I don't think they feel like he's progressed where he needs to be. And, and if they feel like, you know, hey, look, we, we just can't give him forever. We've given him three years, basically, and we haven't seen the kind of progression that we need to see out of a starting quarterback. Um, Mike Lennon has been very good in practice, very good in preseason. And now, of course, I think what they really want to see is, Tarvin, is you have a 2014 quarterback class coming, which is certainly better than the 2013 class. And I think some people think perhaps uh, near to the level uh, of the 2012 quarterback class. So I think what Tampa wants to do is figure out if they have to go back to the drawing board next year, and if, if so, you know, if, is their number one pick going to be a quarterback? So I think that's what Tampa's doing here, Tarvin, is they want to see, if, is Mike Glennon the kind of quarterback that we can build around, or do we have to start from scratch and maybe go after a Teddy Bridgewater, you know, a Johnny Manziel, you know, an A.J. McCarron, whatever quarterback they, they deem is up there on their draft board. So that's what I, that's where I think they're going with this in Tampa Bay. So what's going to happen with Freeman right now? Is there a team, you know, this is his last year of his rookie contract. Is there a team this year, you know, a possible injury happened to a starter that would go out and give this guy a chance? I'm thinking that he may be a good quarterback somewhere else. Maybe he needs a, a fresh start, a change. I mean, maybe something can spark him. But I think he does have talent. I just think he's he just played very poorly this year. Yeah, I mean, I think um... – I think it's possible that, that he, he's a serviceable quarterback, Tarvin. But, you know, I've heard a couple of things, like, you know, he would be a good fit in Jacksonville, and I think, well, is he really better than Blaine Gabbard? I don't know that he is. I think they're about the same, and maybe a little bit. But if you're Jacksonville, why, why in the world would you give up a, a pick uh, that you desperately need to improve your program for a quarterback who's marginally better than Blaine Gabbard? Uh, to be honest, if I was Jacksonville, and I think that's really, I mean, I, I can't think of another team that would be a fit for Josh Freeman as a starting quarterback. I and mean, there's a couple of places that think he could, you know, be a serviceable number two guy. Um, you know, but you're talking about if he's going to go in and start, I mean, where else in Jacksonville, Tarvin? And, and here's the thing. If I'm Jacksonville, you know what I do, Tarvin? I, I play up the PR and I, and I put Tim Tebow as my starting quarterback and I lay it out all in the lines of this year. You know Blaine Gabbert isn't your guy. You know yep. that next year is a solid stud quarterback, rec- you know, uh, class coming in. So why not put, you know, Fannies in the seats? You know that Tim Tebow is going to draw in the media. You're going to get you're going to put on TV more. You're going to get people who want to come to games, even if you're losing, because everyone's going to want to see the Tebow show. So if I'm Jacksonville Tarvin, that's the move I make. I spend no money. I sign Tebow to the lowest contract possible. I'm late, giving tons of incentives. 
and then I put on a show. That's it. And then that, if I'm Jacksonville Tarvin, that's what I do. Well, Trey, that that makes too much sense for Jacksonville. This this is a, a a team known to to not make good decisions, but that would be perfect. Like you said, you get Tebow dirt cheap. You you get fans in the stands. You know everybody's going to come. They're going to sell out almost every game. They're going to be competitive because Tim Tebow would actually win them a few games, but they're not going to win so many that they won't get a great draft pick for next year. And if they want to, they can they can draft that quarterback, let Tebow stay a few games until they, they mold him. But if you see, Trey, these rookie quarterbacks that are coming out now are able to hit the field running and start. It's amazing how good the quarterbacks are now, Trey. Then we look back 10 years ago, they came in and sat down on the bench for three or four years and then played. I mean, what is the difference in that, by the way? Why are quarterbacks able to play now all of a sudden in the NFL where they weren't, you know, back five, ten years ago? You know, I, I think more high schools and more colleges are running pro-style offenses. I think that's a big difference than, you know, quarterbacks. You get some guys who legitimately ran ran the wishbone in high school, and then they got little throws in college, and then the pros, you know, they were, you know, it took them a little time to learn pro-style. So, I think, you know, a lot of more West Coast pro-style offenses, even down in the high school, and you can be honest, you know, you're talking about, like, junior high levels. I mean, you're, you're running, I've seen pro-style offenses run that way. And that low grade, you know, that low grade. So I think that's where the development's coming in for a quarterback now is they're teaching, you know, passing much earlier in, in life. Oh, you know, when you were in high school training football, I don't know about you, but we didn't watch game film a lot. Like uh, coaches these days are making players, especially quarterbacks, take that field home with them, dissect it, break it down. Uh, having coaches work with them in the off season, going to camps a lot. These quarterbacks are ready to hit the ground running because of all the tools they have now. I mean, back then they didn't have the tools and the, I mean, the capability to learn so quick, Trey. There's so many things at the fingertips of these players. And I think it's just going to get, you know, more and more. I think it'll be other players stepping up to the play too. I think the linemen, that's one thing we see, the size, you know, coming out of college to the NFL, sometimes it takes a couple of years. But these linemen now, Trey, are a lot bigger um, they're faster and they're they're able to run these kind of spread offenses because they did it in college and I think it'll translate over to the NFL where the size just doesn't mean everything like it does you know the last few years. Like, don't you agree with that? Yeah, I mean I think that's an accurate assessment, Darwin. I think that's about right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I mean being big is everything, and like the SEC, you see it in the SEC conference; these guys are big, but. If you run the right scheme, you can be, you know, just a tad bit smaller, but be faster and more athletic. So I don't know what football is going to do, Trey, but all I know is it's very exciting to see rookies come in and play right away. It just it's exciting to me to see it happening. And tell us about – I just want to ask you real quick about Tebow. If he did come to Jacksonville, what do you think they could give him as a salary? What kind of salary? Do you think it would be the league minimum, or do you think they would give him more? Well, I didn't think. I mean, I think Tebow would play if you said, "Hey, look, we're going to bring you in, and we're, you're going to be our starting quarterback. We're going to put on a show. The media is going to be there. I mean, we're going to do this. We're going to do it all. Uh, but you're going to take the league minimum. And here's the thing: you know, you get, you know, three games into it, you got to get two thousand yards passing, uh, and you get, you know, a million dollars. You get, you know, twenty touchdowns. We give you a million dollars. You know, I mean, I think you, you know, you give them incentives." Um, and I think if you do that, 
I, I think for Jacksonville, I mean, just ESPN is crazy over Tim Tebow. Uh, I think you're, you're going to be on TV more, and I think that, uh, honestly, you're going to have revenue. People are going to be, you know, reporters are going to be there. It's going to be all over the news. People are going to be going out to see the Tim Tebow show. So I, I just think for Jacksonville, I don't know why you can do it. You know Blaine Gabbert isn't your guy. And you know for certain that Chad Henney isn't your guy. You know that next year you're going to be drafting probably Teddy Bridgewater with the number one overall pick because you're going to pick last first in the draft. So why not go all out and just put on a show for this season? I mean, I, just don't, I don't get it. And, uh, and another thing, Trey, is being in the South, you know, Tebow with his religion and his Christianity would be a lot more accepted than being up in New York or, you know, even out in Denver. I think people would be more open and accepting to it in the South. I think that would be a better fit for him as well. Plus, he'd be back home, you know, and that's where a lot of his fans from high school and college are still there. They would actually come to the game. So let's keep an eye on that and see if any team is smart enough to actually do that because Jacksonville's terrible. It's one of the worst teams I've ever seen uh, take the football field, Trey. So, again, nothing to lose there. All right, so now's the fun part of the show, Trey. I'm excited. You picked some tough games. These five games you picked in the NFL, I don't know. I mean, I can see myself going four and one or or zero and five, really. So, so let's start out. Keep us with number five. Get us going with number five right now, Trey. Well, yeah, number five is. I think it's an interesting game. I put it on here because you really have, um, you know, you have the you know, Geno Smith who's took, taken the Jets to a 2-1 and one record, and he's traveling to the Titans, who uh, are 2-1 and one as well. And they've played – Jake Locker's played surprisingly well. And, you know, I've never been a fan of Jake Locker. I got to tell you, Tarvin, I watched him play a lot last week. I, I uh, watched some of his film and uh, during the game. I was impressed, Tarvin. So um, I was like, wow, Jake Locker's making decent decisions now. You know, this guy was a terrible quarterback at first. So, you know, this you know rookie quarterback versus budding quarterback – uh, so, you know, can the Jets really go to 3-1? and one? Uh, Are the Titans going to be the surprising team at 3-1? and one? I, think, uh, I think I've stumped some people with this pick there, Tarvin. Well, look, I know Geno's gotten better, and let's face it, he played Buffalo last week. Now going on the road, the Titans are a very good home team. I think Locker will be just fine at home. I think the momentum they carry from that come-from-behind win last week in the fourth quarter is going to carry over to this week, Trey. I think Tennessee's too much for the rookie, Geno Smith. Um, I like Titans in this game, probably by a touchdown. It could be closer than that, but I see the Titans squeaking out a win. But the Jets' defense is playing well. Um, Geno on the road, Trey, not a good combination this week against a, a good home team. Yeah, I, actually, I'm going to go with the Titans, and I think uh, in the chat room's against us, both Jason and Paul, uh, stand there picking the Jets. Um, I think that, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, Geno Smith on the road. Uh, I think both of these defenses are playing better than I think uh, a lot of us thought they would. I look at this game as kind of a sloppy, a sloppy game. I think this is going to come down to the fourth quarter. I think there's going to be both, uh, look at Locker and Geno Smith as guys who make it careless with the ball at times. You know, I look at you know who's got a better running attack, and I think Chris Johnson's going to find a little more room uh, than you know Bilal Powell for the Jets. Uh, you know, I look at the receiving core, and I like Kenny Britt a little bit better than I do um, you know what the Jets are throwing out there. So I think you know the, the Titans get it done because it's at home. I think Geno Smith makes a couple mistakes, and the Titans make them pay. 
Yes, right. Two against us, but all that matters is are the is the hosts unite. We're united and, and we show a strong front here. So the Titans easy guys. Y'all just lost your first pick. So the next game is probably one of the best of the weekend and it's number four. That ought to show you I mean how great the games are in the NFL. The Detroit Lions stray at home. Reggie Bush is probable. Calvin Johnson's probable. The Detroit Lions are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Chicago Bears. Wow, what a game, Trey. This is huge for Detroit, in my opinion. I think this is a game, if they can pull this game out, it'll give them confidence going into the rest of the season. Chicago's rolling right now. I think both teams are 3-1, and one, correct? Or 2-1, and one, the Lions, 3-0, and oh, the Bears. I'm sorry. Um, the Bears undefeated. They, they stole Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh Sunday night. Um, Trey, I don't know which way you're leaning, but I'm leaning towards Detroit being at home right now. Having Reggie Bush in that backfield really makes this offense a lot better. And I like the defensive line, too. I think they're going to get the Cutler, especially being at home, and, and sack him a few times, maybe force some turnovers. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Trey. I'm picking the Detroit Lions in this game. Well, this game intrigued me because you had the Lions who are playing, I think, better football. At least back where I think that a lot of us thought they should have, should have been last year. You, know, you have such a, such a great offensive weapon, you know, weapons for Stafford uh, to throw to. I mean, and now you get Bush. And, of course, uh, you know, Bell's playing really well behind Bush. I mean, this, this team is supposed to be good. Uh, you have them at home. Uh, the Bears have been outstanding. I think Trussell – um, has had a lot of criticism coming into the season. Like, he couldn't coach, you know, Canadian football league guy, doesn't know what he's doing, why is he in the NFL? But Harvard, they've been real good. And Cutler's uh, completion percentage has jumped from about 50% in years past with the Bears to about 70%. So you're talking about a, a remarkable improvement that, that you know, the Trussman, uh, excuse me, not Trussell, Trussman has had uh, on that Bears offense. They've protected Jay Cutler much better this year. So, you know, with all that said, Tarvin, I'm gonna I'm actually going to agree with you. I'm not so fast seeing all those bears out there as I built them up. I think this Detroit team at home, I think this is going to be a very, very close game. I would not be surprised if the Bears win at Tarvin, but I look at this as, as a good, hard division, you know, rivalry, and a lot of times these games are won at home. So if, if Detroit has really improved, Tarvin, they win this game. Yeah, I mean, what a difference uh, a year makes. I mean, the Bears look. Very, very good. They look like, you know, a top team in the NFC, and that's what they are, really. But it's been seven years since they've started 4-0. and So I'm just going to go with the stats here, the numbers. Detroit is a very good home team, guys. And I don't think people realize, Trey, what Reggie Bush does for them. Bale rushing the football. I mean, you have Calvin Johnson, Megatron out there, and Stafford. I think he's sometimes overlooked when we start talking about quarterbacks. He can He can sling it. I really like this Detroit game this weekend, and Trey, everybody in the chat room is against me and you again. So I don't know. I think we're I think we're pretty good right now. Well, I mean, we're, something's going to happen, Tarvin, because here we are. We we could lose two games right off the bat, which you know I'm interested to see what everybody else thinks about the third game, Tarvin, because you get the one and two disappointment Falcons uh, who have looked just confused somehow on offense and not being able to win in the fourth quarter with Matty Ice, who has not led his team to fourth-quarter comebacks. Uh, Tarvin, they're, they're hosting the 3-0. and uh, and, and You keep hearing everybody say, well, the Patriots, they haven't looked great. They're getting better, but they're but they're 3-0. and So what happens here, Tarvin, the Falcons hosting the Patriots? 
Well, the thing is, they're starting to get closer to getting some people back that can catch a football. And this is the reason I like the Falcons in this game is it's a night game at home in the dome. Uh, they play well, but the desperation in this game, this is this could be the turning point for the Atlanta Falcons. You're one and two. You win, you're two and two, you have a kind of new life. But the problem is the Saints are winning, and they're going to keep winning, it looks like. Uh, the Patriots, you know, you think they're due for a letdown. They're three and oh. They could easily be one and two right now as well. So I look at this game, maybe the Patriots, they don't have that sense of urgency like the Falcons do, Trey. This is a must-win game for the Falcons. If they lose this game, they're not even going to the playoffs, I'm telling you. You start one and three with their schedule, it's not going to be pretty. So I think they need some confidence. They're going to get a win at home to get them to two and two, Trey. I really like Julio making some big plays in this game for Atlanta, and they have to get the ground game going. I don't know if they can, but they're going to have to. So I like the Falcons in this game, Trey, to upset Tom Brady. Yeah, the chat room's picking the Falcons as well. Uh, you know, Tarver, I agree with you, actually. I think the the amount of pressure that the Falcons have, and then the other thing to consider is the Falcons lost both their teams on the road. Uh, there there have always been, and Matt Ryan has always gotten criticism for being a bad you know road quarterback. Well, he's different at home, and if you look at the, the Falcons, where did they win so far this year, Tarvin? They won at home. So, I mean, yep. this is a team that has always sort of defended the Dome very well, uh, and you know, for those of us who've been to the Georgia Dome, you can kind of understand why it's a fun environment. Uh, so I think they defend the Dome again. I think this is going to be a, you know, a crucial uh, win for them. They must win. I mean, this is, you're right, if they don't win this game, they're kind of out of it with the Saints starting 3-0. and So Falcons, uh, I think they're going to win this game by seven. Well, let's look at who the Falcons have played. They played on the road at New Orleans. They're undefeated. They played on the road at Miami. They're undefeated. And they they beat a St. Louis team. This it's a good team. I mean, they're not bad. You know, Dallas trounced them this past weekend, but it's not like Trey. They're one and two, playing three teams that they were uh, better than. Really, I mean, there's some tough competition. So I think that they're going to be better off for playing that kind of competition. I'm not sold on New England right now. I'm just I really don't like what I'm seeing. They're only averaging 19.7 a game. This is Tom Brady, Trey. That team, 19 points a game. What have you ever known the Patriots? to score 19 points a game. But their defense is playing a lot better, and I think it has to. So we'll see. I mean, this is a big game, and possibly, Trey, if we didn't have a radio show, I'd be at that game just to see what was going on. But we'll be here covering it. <laughs> yeah. So so you're going to you're going with the Falcons, right? Yeah, Falcons, so you and I are on the same page. Uh, we'll see what the chat room has been against us. They're actually for us this time. Uh, we'll see if they if we remain you know in alliance with the with the chat room for game number two the undefeated three and Seattle Seahawks traveling to the to the Houston Texans Tarvin the uh, the Texans did not look good last week as uh, you know they, a lot of people picked them to win last week they didn't do so hot uh, but that was a road game they're one and one on the road this year Tarvin one and zero at home and they've been you know kind of like the Falcons they've been a pretty good home team so what do you think about the Texans hosting those undefeated Seattle Seahawks. Well, first I want to ask you a question. Do you think Houston last week, when they went into Baltimore, do you think they overlooked Baltimore in a way, looking at this game, knowing what a big game they had the following week at home? I mean, Houston was a favorite against Baltimore, and honestly, Trey, it looked like they took Baltimore for granted. Yeah, I don't know if they took them for granted. I think that Baltimore is a really good football team, especially, you know, there is a difference in teams on the road. I mean, this is not like college football where 
you know, you can roll into most places and it not being, you know, there's only, you know, so many hostile environments. And the NFL, I mean, almost everywhere is a pretty hostile environment. So, I mean, that's the reason why you look at home and away stats and, you know, the teams that make the play, the, the postseason, you know, are 500 and better. I mean, and the teams who wouldn't make the postseason are undefeated at home. I mean, there's just, you know, you defend your own your own ballpark uh, and, and then you hold ground or 500 on the road. And that's that's how winning teams win in the NFL. So, you know, for the Texans, they're one and one on the road. That was a tough road loss. I just think, you know, I think you have to count the fact that when you play a very tough team in their backyard, you know, it's going to be a battle. And the NFL is just so even. Yeah, look at the defense for Seattle, Trey. Three games, they're giving up nine points a game. 3-0 and record, 2-0 and home, 1-0 and on the road. This is a team averaging almost 30. I think it's like 29 points. Trey, that's a good combination when you have a good offense and a, and a great defense. But one thing, going on the road against a good Houston defense, they haven't played real good. They're average, giving up 27 a game, but they're capable of playing good defense. You know, Russell Wilson's second year, Trey, it's not like he's a veteran going on the road. He went into Carolina and barely escaped. But Houston's a little better in Carolina, especially when they're playing at home. Trey, I, I'm – this is a tough game. I think Seattle's a three-point favorite in this game, but I'm leaning towards taking Houston in a bounce-back game to give Seattle their first loss. I think Houston's going to escape being at home. They're going to get some big plays late in the game. I don't think Seattle's going to hold them to nine points, Trey. You know, I really thought I'd get you to go the other way on this game. I mean, with as hot as Seattle's been, that defense has been just dominating. I mean, one of the things that if you look at – Seattle on film, you look at Richard Sherman. I mean, you may hate Richard Sherman, and a lot of people do, but if you look at how he jams receivers versus them, you watch game film versus, you know, the, the opponents that, you know, the Seattle Seahawks play the week before, and then you watch uh, them roll into Seattle and then watch how physical those corners are against receivers, you really understand, you know, why they're so stifling against passing games because they really do take away several seconds for quarterbacks to throw the ball by getting those receivers off their routes. That's a huge deal, and I don't think people realize that. Um, you know, all that said, Tarvin, I think there is something. Seattle's always been a little bit worse on the road, and I look at this game. You know, going into Texas, having lost last week, I really think this is the time the Texans have to sort of make their mark because if you look at the Texans and look at that division, you know, this is a team that can't afford to fall too far down in the loss column. I mean, Indianapolis with the you know, addition of Trent Richardson. I mean, Tennessee, if they win this week, they'll be 3-1. and one. So this is kind of one of those games for Texans. The Texans, they have to sort of make their mark and show that they're still a really good team. So I think they, they have that resiliency at home, Tarvin. They win a very close game. I think we're talking about a 20-17 to 17 low-scoring affair. They find a way to get Andre Johnson the football. Arian Foster and Ben Tate make some room for those sort of receivers to get open by running the ball well. Texans win. So what do you think uh, Arian Foster's teammates think about him coming out and kind of throwing his team under the bus in college, Tennessee, saying he received money uh, while he was in college? Well, I don't think he received money. I think he received tacos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all he had was tacos? Man, you know, he had some tacos, man, and I don't think I don't think anybody on that team cares that he had Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've heard, man. Uh, <laughs> Arian Foster, man, I look for him to bounce back. But, 
the trade, what made you, I know the 3-0 and records for the number one game, Dolphins and Saints, but what else intrigued you about this matchup that made you put it number one? Because there's some great games on this list. Well, I mean, obviously 3-0 and matters. But you look at this, I mean, okay, here's the Dolphins, and they're going on the road. They're 3-0. and You know, Tannehill has looked really good. Um, they surprised everybody, including myself, did not think the Dolphins um, we're going to be this good. But, you know, look, at they've won two games on the road. That, that's impressive in the NFL. Like I said, if mm-hmm. you can go 500 on the road and, and then win at home, you make the playoffs. And this team's already got two W's on the road. And, again, it doesn't matter who it's against. So, you know, I, I'm looking at Miami. This is their chance at, like, legitimacy in the NFL because the Saints are obviously very, very good. I underestimated how good they were going to be. And, again, this is a, a game – at home for the Saints, and you know, you can argue that nobody plays better at home in the NFL than the Saints do. I mean, this is a team that you know, Drew Brees. You know, I often wonder. I was wondering this today, Tarvin. Had the doctors at Miami, when Nick Saban was with Miami, uh, you know, approved you know that that Drew Brees free agency instead of him going to the Saints? Is Nick Saban still coaching the, the Miami Dolphins right now? You know, I don't know, maybe. Um, you know, that's one of the things that people sort of discount with Nick Saban is that he didn't do a very good job in the NFL. But remember, he was chasing, you know, the free agent of Drew Brees. <laughs> and if he'd have got him, man, I wonder where the Dolphins would be. So, you know, just a sidebar comment, Tarvin. I, I think the Dolphins have a shot here in this game. What do you think? Well, I guarantee you if Saban would have gotten Brees, he'd probably be about 270 all muscle right now because Saban likes to, you know, to get him bigger, right? Get them stronger and bigger and faster. So, hey, <laughs> look, this game this game to me, guys, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a lock uh, if you're out there looking at it. Miami, I don't think, Trey, they, you know, they've been on the road and they've won two. That's great. But going to New Orleans on a Monday night, these fans are crazy. They're very passionate. You see them. You see why LSU is so good at, at home at night because the same fans that go to that game, they're going to go over to the New Orleans game. And after LSU loses maybe this weekend, you never know. They might be hungry for another win. But what is Tannehill going to do in an environment like that in New Orleans on a Monday night? I like this Saints team right now, the way they're playing. Uh, The defense is the question. I don't think their defense has to be that great. But New Orleans has only given up 12 points a game this year, Trey. This is 12. That's all. They're usually 30 when you look at points allowed uh, from a New Orleans team. I think New Orleans blows Miami out. I think this is going to be between a 17- and 24-point victory for New Orleans. I think it's going to look easy. I think Tannehill's going to turn the ball over a little bit. I just don't think they have what it takes to go on the road on Monday night and beat New Orleans straight. Drew Brees carved that defense up. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the real question, Tarvin. And I, I actually kind of agree with you. I think the Saints are going to, are going to do well in this game. And, and it's really you, – you hit the you hit the sort of nail with the hammer, and it's, it's – how that defense has progressed. Because uh, the Saints have always been a team that scores, and that, that's all well and good. But the real question has always been is, you know, can you play a little defense? And the Saints are playing some defense this year, and they're creating turnovers. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they're stopping the run. You know, so they're doing things differently this year. I think that's, that's the big issue. I'm not sold on Lamar Miller yet. He's not a guy who's really broke out yet. Um, and so I think that if they bottle up Tannehill, I think the Miami Dolphins are really a team that you can stop the stop the pass and not have to worry about the run. So uh, if that's the case, Tarvin, I agree with you. This, this could get ugly. I think it's about a 10-point game, but I think the Saints win it. 
Yeah, I just, I really see a big improvement all around the Saints team. This looks like a team that, that could possibly make a big push in the playoffs. It's still early. It's still very early, but, wow, having Peyton on that sideline, what it does for the morale of that team. I mean, it's exciting stuff to see New Orleans. And I like the Carolina Panthers in that division. I like the Falcons. But, man, New Orleans could run away with this division early, especially if Atlanta slips up again uh, this week. And they could. They're playing the Patriots. That's not a gimme. But some other games, Trey, in the NFL, maybe you miss. I think Carolina's lost, so I'd like to touch on them a little bit. But the New York Giants, real quick before we move on, 0-3 right now. I don't see any way, anything they're showing me right now, that they can go on the road to Arrowhead and beat the Kansas City Chiefs, Trey. I just don't see it. They have no offensive line. They have no running game. Their defense sucks. Eli Manning can't get any protection. So give us a chance. Give us a percentage that New York can go on the road and beat Kansas City. Yeah, I'm going to pull it off so fast. I almost put this game on here just to pick it. I, I, I actually am going with the upset in that game. I think the Giants. We'll go into Arrowhead this weekend and pull off an upset. I, I think I think they're gonna um, they're gonna get some turnovers things solved this weekend, Carvin. They're gonna look better. Uh, I think the Giants. I don't see them going 0 and 4. I think they're gonna upset the Chiefs this weekend. Uh, I I think Jonathan says it right in the chat room. The Chiefs handled New York. I mean, they're not gonna blow them out or anything, but they're gonna they're gonna take care of business at home. Kansas City's just got it going on right now, and I think people are looking at that. Everybody that's betting this game or looking at it, saying what you said, Trey, no way the Giants go 0-4, just like they said last week when they went to Carolina. No way the Giants are going 0-3, and look what happened. You lose 38 to nothing to Can- or the Carolina Panthers, uh, I think the team has given up. If you're going to step up and, and win a game, it was last week uh, when Coughlin's brother died and you're trying to play for a purpose. Now you look at it, what do they have to play for? They're going to lose this game, and this season is just going to fall apart. I think Coughlin's gone at the end of the year. I just don't think he can make it through what's about to happen. Trey, they're not getting better up front, and that's what concerns me about it. The turnovers are terrible. Tell me why they can win. I mean, can can that offensive line get better all of a sudden in one week? Well, I think they're going to be able to throw the ball on Kansas City a little bit. I think that's what I'm, I'm sort of banking on. I mean, if you take away their turnovers that Eli's been giving up, I mean, this team is looking. I mean, a lot of these outcomes are different. So, I mean, I think they have to stop at some point, and that's just math. I mean, they can't fall like this every single time. I mean, yeah, people thought that last week. I thought that last week uh, against Carolina, but you know, things happen. Carolina's defense shut them out, and then look bad again. Um, so, you know, that's my upset special of the week. I could, it could lose, Carvin, but that's just. Good. Yeah, so my other question to you, since we're on the NFL target, is what about Dallas going into San Diego? Dallas going into San Diego, Trey, I think Dallas is going to win the division because it's bad, but I think they're going to go on the road and they're going to play inconsistent now. They looked so good last Sunday that the Chargers are going to beat them. I mean, that's a 425 Eastern kickoff. Uh, Romo's not the best on the road. I think San Diego's got something to say. They're going to play for some pride here. Dallas is only a two-point favorite, Trey, in this game. I'm going to pull the upset special in this one. I'm going to pick the Chargers to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, there you go. Dallas is favored by two, though, right? They are. And what about the Redskins? Are they going to get their first game on the road against Oakland? Uh, Pryor looked good. I know he's questionable with concussion syndrome, but 
Terrell Pryor showed he can play the quarterback position. The Redskins going all the way across the country, Trey. Can they get their first win? Yeah, I think they get the first win. I don't, I don't know if Terrell Pryor plays this week. I mean, the guy was tweeting that he didn't even know what happened when he got hit. So that's not a good sign for him to play. So I think I think Griffin, who actually looks better. I mean, the guy's got – people have been hating on Robert Griffin, but he's got 975 yards passing through three games. That's, that's pretty darn good. Um, you know, it's not bad. It's not Peyton Manning numbers, but it's not bad either. It's more than a lot of most quarterbacks have. So uh, I'd look at them to win their first W this weekend. You think that may be why Pryor played good? Because he didn't know what was going on. He just got out there <laughs> and, you know, maybe that maybe that's the reason. But let me give the call-in number real quick, 646-716-5564. And, Trey, the host here at Wayne Sports has been tearing it up in the picks the, you know, this season. I know Jason Humphrey, I mean, he has to go almost perfect, and we, we lose two games out of 15, and we can't even win one week. So we're still tearing it up. So listen to us, especially when it comes to college. But, but Trey, I'm ready to, to go perfect 10-0 and in college. I don't know if that's possible this week with the games you predicted but or you put out there for us, but there's some big upsets looming this weekend that could really – you know, turn the tide in college football. I mean, there's a lot of games out there. We're going to find out some teams if they're for real or not this weekend. It's what, what, Give us a name for this week in college football. What would you name it if you were if you're given a theme for it? Yeah, I think I think this. You know, we talked we talked about. You know, we try to give a name each week. I was trying to think of one. I thought you might ask me for this week, and I really, you know, it's, it's not a showdown Saturday, but it kind of is because you have. You know, three or four, excuse me, four games against, you know, ranked opponents are playing each other. So I think, you know, you can, the last week you had all, like, the, the top 15 teams winning. Nobody really changed. So I'm going to call this Shake-Up Saturday because you're going to have, a, you will have some shake-up in the top 25. And, you know, whether it's these, you know, 20 through 25 teams, you know, you know Wisconsin and Mississippi's and other names of the world, whether it's them losing and just dropping out of the top 25, or whether there's some upsets in the top ten. So I think we're going to see some shake-up in the polls this weekend versus last weekend, Tarvin. So I'm going to call it Shake-Up Saturday. All right. We'll shake this up. The, the number ten game, Stanford, late kickoff, you know, at Washington State. You remember last year Stanford lost to Washington on the road. And Washington State, Trey, they've shown signs of improvement this year. They are, what, 3-1 and one right now. They lost to Auburn on the road in a close game. But they beat Southern Cal. They beat Idaho. I mean, it was so bad last week that uh, the mad scientist is having uh, cussing with Bobby Petrino's brother at midfield. I think Petrino didn't like him running up the score a little bit. But Stanford woke up last week, Trey. Stanford playing like a Stanford of old. uh, Came out and just trounced Arizona State in the first half and then let up. Arizona State almost come back and made it a a real close, close game. Any way Stanford goes on the road and, and chokes in this game, Trey, is Washington State good enough? Remember last year, Stanford barely beat Washington State in Stanford, and that's when Washington State wasn't yeah. too good. Yeah, I mean, some teams match up well against others, and that's just the way it is. But, um, you know, I, I know – I guess before I get my pick, Carvin, are you going to pull the upset trigger? This is the one where you said on the show last week, this is one of your two upsets you're going to announce on the show. So I put number 10 because I thought it was a good game anyway. But are you pulling the trigger on the upset? Man, I'm pulling the trigger on this one. 
I really do like Washington State's chances. I'm not sold on Stanford. They're a three-loss team this year. I don't care what anybody says. I'm telling you guys. I know y'all are all in love with Stanford, but this is a team with some holes in it, and I think going on the road is a perfect opportunity. If this was in Stanford, you know I would pick them. But something about these 10-point favorites, Trey, Stanford's a 10-point favorite in this game. I'm telling you, watch out. Uh, the mad scientist can coach. He knows how to coach. He knows how to pull some upsets. They're going to get it done. It's going to be a close game. Washington State pulls out the thriller there at the end. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think it's a good pick. I mean, Washington State played them really tough last year. You know, I mean, this is one of those, if you look at, um, you talk about scheduling, Tarvin, you talk about, you know, when people play each other. And, you know, there is something, you're right about the 10-point thing. I mean, that's been uh, one of those favorites for upsets. It seems like that's always uh, the point spread when one of these top 10 teams lose to somebody who's not ranked. And, you know, you have Washington State. They're not ranked, Tarvin, but, they, you know, they have looked okay. Um, and, you know, they beat USC. Well, we don't know what that really make of that. We'll talk about USC here in a second. But, yeah, I'm going to not go fast, Tarvin. I, I just don't think Stanford's <laughs> there yet. You know, we're talking about a team that's built to last. And this is not a Stanford team that's built like years past. This team has made a BCS game, what, two years in a row? I mean, this team is built to be good every single year. They're built in a way where they're not – they may not blow up everybody. Uh, but they're just overall a ground-pound good defense team. Now, they've been giving up some points, 28, 20, and 13. But, you know, they have Washington up next, so I don't think they're going to look ahead. Uh, if this was, you know, an Oregon look ahead next week, maybe so. But I, I like it. I like Stanford to get this done, Tarvin. Stanford wins, and I'm not so fasting yet. Yeah, one thing about Stanford, though, I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm just – I mean, have you ever had a, just a gut feeling about a team and – you can't just really prove it everywhere on paper. You can't go explain it to somebody. But that feeling of Stanford, uh, if they trip up this week, Trey, if they trip up against Washington State, what do you think is going to happen, you know, with Washington? Well, I, mean, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I got to predict, you know, it's not, I don't know if it matters that they were going to lose to Washington if they lose this week. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that. But, I mean, I, I, think, I think Stanford, you know, if you're Oregon, uh, you almost, you know, you want them to be undefeated when you play them because that gives Oregon that national exposure and that strength of schedule. So I think for the Pac-12, you know, you want an undefeated Stanford. But obviously, you know, you, the Pac-12 is much improved. There's some really quality good teams in the Pac-12. So there's a lot of losses that teams could have. Yeah. I mean, everybody thinks I'm crazy for this pick. It's just it's perfect setup for an upset, and if you're going to shake up a Saturday, let's just do it with the first game. So uh, I just got it out of the way, Trey. I don't know if I'll pick another one, but I feel something good about that one. It could be a a 30 point win for Stanford. I'm not saying it's a it's a lock or anything. It's just perfect for an upset. There's no point spreads involved here. Let's just pick the winner. So the number nine game, Trey. Virginia Tech, three and one in the ACC. They haven't looked too good this season. I mean, Alabama beat them pretty good, and Alabama didn't look good either. But I mean, the game, what triple overtime against Marshall? They go on the road to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech played sloppy in the first half against North Carolina and pulled it away last week. Pulled away late, but I don't know Georgia Tech being a home. That's Thursday night, correct? That's uh, one of those crazy Thursday night games. Yeah, I like Georgia Tech in this one. I just don't think Virginia Tech's going to stop them for four quarters. 
I think uh, perfect weather out here in Atlanta right now. Uh, no rain or anything, so we don't have to worry about them fumbling the ball all over the place. I like Georgia Tech. They're seven-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. I like them to win by seven. I think it's going to be uh, something like a 24-17 to 17 type game. All right. Well, that's, that's a good pick, Tor. That's a good pick. Uh, you know, I, I look at this game, and I, I think it's going to be a you know Thursday night game. I think it's going to be sloppy. I really do. Virginia Tech's been sloppy uh, with the football all year long. I mean, their quarterback is atrocious. Um, and this, oh, I mean, I, I just can't say anything really positive about his play. I think Georgia Tech's going to be more consistent. This is at home. So I, I like Georgia Tech. I think this is going to be a, one of those closer games. I think four or five. Uh, so I like Georgia Tech at home, Tarvin, and really only because it's home for Georgia Tech. Well, let's peek over to the chat room. It seems like Paul Ewing likes Georgia Tech. Jonathan likes Georgia Tech because of Virginia Tech's offense being pathetic. Um, Jason Humphrey says there will be an upset in Seattle. I don't know what that means, but he's picking Georgia Tech to win. Um, wow, everybody likes Georgia Tech, so Thursday night, they're home. They should cruise in that game, and Trey, you got a great game, number eight. I don't know how you pull this one out, or should it be higher? We'll see once we go through the list. The 3-0 Arizona Wildcats, Rich Rodriguez's his crew, on the road at number 16, Washington. They're 3-0 as well. Wow, what a game in the Pac-12, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Pac-12 has got a lot of good teams and a lot of good um, early matchups for the Pac-12. They're playing a lot, of their good, a lot of good scheduling going on right now in the Pac-12 of the conference play. In this game, you know, this game has a lot of different storylines that kind of intrigue me. I mean, Washington, number 16 in the country, you know, certainly they're one of those up-and-coming teams. They've been recruiting well. You know, we, you and I have covered now, you know, how they've been doing this year. And then I look at, you know, I look at Arizona, you know, Rich Rodriguez, and this is a team that, that kind of is on the upswing too. So you have two teams, and Arizona obviously hasn't had the, the sort of signature, you know, win right now put them on top. I mean, they've Thirty thousand nothing against you know some nobody UNLV, you know Texas San Antonio, uh, so they haven't really played anybody, and that's what sort of concerns me about Arizona, you know. But Washington, are they really just the flavor of the month? I mean, are they really a you know a solid team? I mean, they have it. You know, I like that win against Boise, and I look at the win at Illinois, and I like this team, Carvin. You know, they won fifty six to nothing last week against you know No Name University. So I gotta tell you, I like Washington at home in this game. So I think it's going to be a really tough contest. I think Arizona's going to be right in there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a stat that will make you laugh. You talk about defenses in the Pac-12. Arizona's given up eight points a game, Washington 10. That doesn't sound right, does it, when you start talking about defenses of Arizona and no. Washington. But they have <laughs> Arizona has played some cupcakes. We'll have to give them that. But look at Washington's schedule. Think about how they're going into this game mentally. They play Arizona. They travel to Stanford. They come back home against Oregon, and then they're home against Arizona State. I mean, that's four very tough games. I mean, Washington could be a four-loss team after a month, right? Looking at this schedule, that's yeah. how tough it yeah. is. But I like Washington at home to win this game pretty big. I think they they can score a lot of points on Arizona. I just I just really like this team this year. I have a good feeling about them in the preseason. I think they win by at least two touchdowns in this game. I just don't think Arizona can outscore. Hey, uh, hold the phone, Parvin. We have Jason Humphrey in the chat room throwing down Arizona in an upset. No, he's not. 
Yeah, he is, man. All right. So, yeah. Wow, hey, hey, he's a Pac-12 guru. I mean, he knows yeah. the Pac-12 stuff. But I don't know. Could they be looking ahead? Could Washington be looking ahead to Stanford? Yeah, that's what he's. I think that's what he's going for. They're looking, you know, one of the trap. I think he's thinking about a trap game. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this is this is this is. Excuse me. This does have that sort of trap feeling to it for Washington. Um, but this is their legitimacy game, and they win this game. Yeah, I think their schedule's been pretty tough. I mean, I, I really like who they've played so far, and I think that's why they don't look ahead. I think, you know, they have the, the right mentality in this week. They take them game by game. So I like Washington this week. I was about to say the exact same thing, Trey. I like Washington, too. They have to win this game because looking at their schedule, it just gets tougher and tougher. So good thing they're home in this game, and, and, Trey, I've got to have your opinion about this game right now. I've looked at several sites, number seven on the list, number 10, Texas A&M, three and one, on the road to Arkansas, three and one, Arkansas coming off a heartbreaking loss at Rutgers. Uh, they choked. They were up like 24 to seven in that game, maybe more 27 to seven, I believe. Texas A&M's a three-point favorite, Trey. First of all, how yeah. is Texas A&M only a three-point favorite in this game? Yeah, I think this game has some upset potential. I really do. I, I know Arkansas isn't really there yet when it comes to being able to compete with the big boys, but this has that sort of look-over feel to it for A&M. They're traveling on the road. You don't know if they really are getting up for this game. Uh, you know, probably think Arkansas you know, isn't that good. And I don't think Arkansas is the kind of team that you can necessarily sleep on. I think you have to prep for them. I mean, they're they're decently coached. I mean, this is, you know, a good football coach coaching some guys who, you know, who need some talent, obviously, still on that team. But, I mean, Alex Collins is a phenomenal freshman running back. And, you know, this is the kind of game that he could really make a, a name for himself. I mean, Texas A&M, they gave up some rushing yards in that Alabama game. And I, I think, you know, with as poor as that defense is, Tarvin, I, I think that Arkansas is going to move the ball. Yeah, I mean, look, they're giving up. Texas A&M's giving up 30 a game, Trey. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's terrible. You're giving up 30 points a game. The only good thing is they're playing cream puffs besides Alabama, and they're scoring 50. So this game, if the line is three, is rigged. I mean, I've seen sucker bets, and I've seen sucker bets. This is probably, if the line is three, guys, this is probably the biggest, biggest lock in the world, bet Arkansas, if that's truly going to be the spread. Trey, I could see Johnny Manziel getting a phone call saying, hey, you lost to Alabama. You're probably not going to win the SEC West. That means you're not going to win the national championship. How about a hundred grand just to throw this game? I mean, that's got Johnny Manziel written all over it, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I saw the line in this game. You know, and I'm not big in line, but I had this game circled anyway a couple of weeks ago, was, you know, looking at the schedule out weeks. And, uh, you know, Paul thinks we're in fairy tale land. But, uh, Paul, I, I think legitimately this game might be interesting. Yeah, I'm picking Texas A&M, Tarvin, uh, in this game. But, you know, I think this has some upset potential. Well, I do too. I mean, just because of the point spread, I would put the line on this game, honestly, guys, at about 13 and a half, 14 points if I was putting a point spread on it. And, and if you look, Arkansas is without their quarterback. So they just lost to Rutgers, yet they're at home, only taped underdog three points. Jonathan, I mean, you follow this stuff too. What's going on, man? Why is Texas A&M only a three-point favorite 
hit number one, Jonathan, if you want on real quick. I need to ask you this if you'd like to discuss how in the world this could happen. So he hit number one, Trey. We're going to bring Jonathan on. Jonathan, man, I know you see sucker bets out there all the time, sucker lions. Does this have, I mean, this has to be one, right? Um, Yeah, this this game smells of a sucker bet all day, every day. Uh, I mean, what we have to realize is that this was not the only game this week that opened with a spread that made you scratch your head. Uh, if you look, you know, Sunday and Monday, the Miami spread over USF actually opened as a pickup. I kid you not. And when you see A&M and Arkansas open at three, and in all honesty, most people don't have a spread out for this. Because, every you know, even bookies are looking at this three and going, you're kidding, right? Come on, Vegas. You, you want to get into gear here? This is a game where, you know, I guess people are thinking A&M might slip up. I don't get it. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I mean, th- this is like Ole Miss in Texas. When, you know, they opened that line, when they finally opened that line at two and a half, that's, that was like Christmas Day for me. And that's what I'm looking at right here at A&M in Arkansas. It's Christmas Day if it stays at three. So you're going to take Arkansas if it stays at three? Yeah, Ray. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take – no, I'm going to take Texas A&M all day. I mean, Johnny Manziel is arguably the number one Heisman candidate right now. He's a phenomenal quarterback. He's what I like to call a hybrid of Michael Vick and Brett Favre. Uh, he's doing a fantastic job. I'm really impressed with the way uh, he played against Alabama and the way they came out against SMU instead of having a letdown. They came back and just blew the doors off of SMU, which is fantastic. Um, uh, you know, this defense just has to get better. And when you were replacing seven starters from a year ago, this is the mess you get. I mean, look at Alabama secondary, and we understand why they're in the mess they are. But what I'm saying is, Jonathan, is everyone that has a football IQ would pick Texas A&M to win this game. Easy. I mean, I would put the line at 14, 13 and a half, 14 points. And that's my point is Vegas is not going to lose money doing this on this game. They put the line out for a reason, and these bookies are backing off of it because they're afraid to take a pounding just in case. But here's the deal. If it's three, if Saturday you wake up and that line is really three, uh, take your everything you've got, borrow money, put it on Arkansas because Arkansas will cover. If they do lose, it will be by one or two points, or they'll win the game, Trey. It just smells real fishy to me because A&M should blow them out, but usually the, the, the majority of the people are wrong when it comes to gambling and picking football games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah, this game, this, it feels weird. It really does. Uh, you know, I'm not in the whole, bit, you know, conspiracy theory, but, uh, you know, I did look at this and scratch my head a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I think there's something to this game. I, I, if you're a college football fan, and we all are, I'm just saying you might want to tune into this game in the second half. I think it's going to get interesting. Yeah, I'm picking A&M, guys, and I want you to watch. Listen to me out there. I'm picking A&M just to show you, a, a, to prove a point here. I'm scared to take Arkansas just in case the line's an error or something. But if that line is three, guys, listen to me. If the line is three Saturday, I'm changing my pick to Arkansas. Tonight's Wednesday, something could come out and it move up to 13. But I'm saying this is a sucker bet. And, Jonathan, do not lose money and bet on Texas A&M if it's three, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's Cincinnati. <laughs> I know, right? right. Well, 
Well, Texas A&M, here we go, and we're going to move on to the next game, another Pac-12 game. Trey, there's a lot of good games in the Pac-12. Arizona State 2-1 at home against Southern Cal. I mean, Arizona State's a six-and-a-half-point favorite coming off a loss yeah. in Stanford. I mean, that's a slap in the face to USC, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that they came out such heavy favorites. I mean, I really am. So, you know, I don't know. This is one of those games that I honestly don't want, know what to make of it. I'm not sure Arizona State is really this good to be a favorite by six and a half points over USC. I know USC has a ton of offensive woes. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking at this Arizona State team, and I, I just can't, you know, I, I can't make them out as a favorite right now. Tarvin. I mean, should I be looking at Arizona State in a different light? No, I mean, I, I think you, you, you don't think they should be a favorite. I do because they're home, and I just don't think Southern Cal has any kind of offense to really threaten them. I think Arizona State will eventually break down Southern Cal's defense, Jonathan. I think Arizona State gets the, the win. I don't know if it's by seven, but it'll be a close game. But I like them pulling out the win. What about you? Um, I have to agree. I really do. I like – I, I think Arizona State, I mean, we have to realize that the, just this millennium alone, there's a lot of pent-up rage uh, from Arizona State towards USC. I mean, USC has dominated this, uh, you know, division, conference rival. I think Arizona State gets their uh, their revenge for multiple years, even though, let's face it, guys, USC's offense it looks like it's starting to click a little better, starting to gel a little more. It's going to be to see if, by the end of the season, USC could actually look like they're building towards something for next year. Yeah. I mean, Lane Kiffin, Trey, loses this job. I mean, loses this game. Does he lose his job, really? I mean, how much more patience are they going to have? Oh, yeah. He has to lose his job if they lose this game. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not so fast you both guys. I, I, I look at this, and I think, you know, Arizona State, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I look at, you know, this is a team that, that really won a game against Wisconsin that probably shouldn't have. Other than that, they'd, I mean, they'd be one and two right now. And so I, I look at it in the light that, that what if they're one and two right now and, you know, that Wisconsin game wasn't as terrible of a finish as it was. You know, USC certainly hasn't been impressive at all. I mean, they're off with, you know, Washington State. Uh, we were talking, we've documented their, their struggles, um, you know, and especially even last week they only scored 17 points. You know, I'm just going to nod so fast. My gut tells me, you talked talk about gut, Harvin. My gut tells me that USC is not going to lose this game. We'll see if I'm wrong. Um, mm. But I, I just don't see Arizona State being lucky enough to, to beat somebody else right now. Mm. Wow. Wow. I, I just don't think Southern Cal is good enough to beat anybody. I mean, again, they played at home and lost to Washington State. We'll see if that, that was a bad loss or not. We'll see this Saturday night. But the next game – on the list is a huge game for a lot of reasons. I mean, we have – I'm sorry, I'll skip down one. South Carolina – sorry, I've moved one, Trey. South Carolina, the number 12 team. Do you have upset alert going to Central Florida? They're selling out a 3-0 and team, noon kickoff. Uh, that place is going to be rocking. I mean, Paul thinks this has an upset alert on it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I put this game here because I have South Carolina on full-scale, full-arm timing, upset alert. I mean, this team, you know, there, there's a team in Florida, generally one of the minor, you know, not not, we're about not Florida, not Miami, not Florida State. Uh, one of these teams generally goes out and does something at least once a year that, that shocks you, whether it's, 
you know, Central Florida, whether it's South Florida, one of these teams generally are pretty good, uh, and they do something special. You know, I mean, I know that you know, Central Florida is coming off a bye week before this, and before that, Tarvin, they were coming off a win at Penn State. I know Penn State's not deep right now, but they went on the road and beat, you know, they beat the Nittany Lions in Beaver Stadium. So, I mean, this is not a, this is not a pushover team. So, Tarvin, I mean, what do you think? And, and Paul, are Paul and I crazy to have this team on upset alert? No, you're not. You're not crazy to have them on upset alert. The noon kickoff is huge to me, but this is a Central Florida team with talent. I mean, they can they can get to the ball. They can defend the ball. I think they will have trouble, Jonathan, uh, against a South Carolina offense. I think that's where it comes down to. I just don't think they can hold up for four quarters against what they're going to see in this offense. South Carolina can score some points. I agree. Uh, I do have South Carolina upset alert. I think USF is a pretty darn good team, and they will compete for the American Athletic Conference Championship. Um, That being said, Blake Bortles is a good quarterback. Penn State's defense made him look a lot better, though, than he really is. Storm Johnson's a really solid running back for UCF, but he's nothing special. You know, he's not, you know, an NFL prospect. This is a team that's a hard-nosed team. They're gritty. I think, you know, that surprise, you know, whoa, look at here. I think that was Penn State going up to Happy Valley and pulling off, you know, let's be honest, it's still an upset because it's Penn State. Um you know, but South Carolina, you're right. They're just more physical and they're deeper. And they should uh, they should win this game, but I, I think it, it will be a close margin. Well, everybody's picking South Carolina, but nobody really wants to. So this is another interesting game. If you're around the TV at noon, make sure you tune in. I, I think it's going to be a good one. I think the crowd for Central Florida is going to keep them in this game, but the crowd can't keep you in that fourth quarter when you've been pounded for three. Look for South Carolina to try to establish that running game early and hit some play-action passes. This offense is a lot better than I thought it would be. So I'm picking South Carolina, and everybody else is picking South Carolina. But it's one to watch. So, Trey, I skipped ahead of you a minute ago. Go ahead and take us to to the number four game on your list. Yeah, the next four are all top 25 games. So uh, number four, the the number 14, 3-0 Oklahoma Sooners, who have not had a lot of success in, in years past, including last year. And they're traveling on the road against number 22, 2-1, Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, who dominated this series, Tarvin. So, you know, we've talked about Notre Dame and how they seem to have struggled this year, and they're not getting those breaks already this year at 2-1. And, and they got a couple of pass interference, pass interference breaks last week against Michigan State. But, Tarvin, does Blake Bell and, and the Oklahoma Sooners go into, uh, you know, this vaunted environment and get a W? I believe they do, Trey, and and I'm going to tell you why. I think it's the defense of Oklahoma that's going to allow them to win this game on the road. I have no faith in Notre Dame, guys. I'm tired of seeing them every week in the spotlight in these night games. You're right, Trey. They got lucky to beat Michigan State. I'm not buying them. I think Oklahoma is going to take care of business. They're going to remember that game last year when Notre Dame came into Norman and and beat them good. But this Notre Dame team is a lot different. I don't think they have what it takes. I mean, Oklahoma's going to lock up in a man-to-man, Jonathan, and they're going to shut Notre Dame out, or not out, shut them down, and, and get get a W in this big rivalry, it seems like, right now, with their defense. I like Oklahoma to cover the spread of three and a half in this one. 
I agree. I do believe Oklahoma covers the spread. I believe Oklahoma is a better football team than Notre Dame. And I think Oklahoma finally made the right move of starting Blake Bell at quarterback, who we all knew with not only just the experience, but obviously you can see it on, you know, the game film, is a much better player than Trevor Knight. You know, I just don't think Notre Dame's that good of a team. And let's be honest, Notre Dame must suck really, really, really bad. If they lose to Michigan, you know, 41-30, to who has a hard time beating Akron, who's lost to 37 of their past 38 FBS opponents, and then Connecticut, who lost to Townsend by 15. I mean, come on, really? I have a question, guys. Where's Quinn? Uh, When Notre Dame was good, Quinn was everywhere. Trey was all over the message boards, on the radio (laughs) show. Where is Quinn, Trey? That's the that's the question of the night. Where's Quinn? I asked that question. He wants to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan, I think a lot of our listeners want to fight you, but that's all right. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes people just want to fight you. Tarvin, Tarvin's threatened to fight me many times, and, and you know, it is, it is, I'm used to it. Um, <laughs> yes, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, I, I look at this game, and I, I look at Notre Dame, and they have a solid defense. I think this game will be close in the first half just because of that Notre Dame defense. Uh, I think Oklahoma has, with Blake Bell, are figuring things out on offense. I think that defense for Oklahoma is going to be pretty tough on Tommy Reese. I, you know, I'm not sold on Tommy Reese as a quarterback. I think Oklahoma wins this game. I think they cover the spread as well. Yeah, it's like Quinn, you know, he's he's buried from Notre Dame and Auburn are struggling. So he he may be buried a lot this year. I don't know. I have to call and, and check on him, especially if Notre Dame loses, which they will, uh, uh this weekend. And Trey Paul took a shot at us in the chat room. He wanted to know where all the Gardner fans out right now. I still have a little faith in him, don't you? Yeah, I mean I'm not giving up on him yet. I mean, you know, I, I still think that uh that he's got some talent. I just you know, like I said, um you know, sometimes they struggle against – this could be one of those teams that just don't play to the level or play to the level of their competition. Yeah. All right. Well, Oklahoma, guys, it's a clean sweep. I don't see anybody out there um, picking against them. And I'm excited for these next three because I think we're going to have a lot of different opinions on these on these next three guys. And, Trey, we'll start with you since you picked these. these. No, wait, Jonathan, I'm going to start with you on this one since Trey picked them. I'll go second and let him go go last and see if he can not so fastest. But uh, the number three the number three game, Jonathan, the number 21 Ole Miss Rebels, a team you've been very high on in the preseason up to now on the road at 3-0 and Alabama. And, and just a stat to throw at you guys, Alabama is – last, I think, in the SEC in rushing the football. I mean, we talked about the three offensive linemen they lost, I believe. They're having trouble finding any kind of stink in that offense. And that could be scary, Jonathan, when you're playing an Ole Miss team that seems to be clicking on offense. Yes, yes, very much so. I mean, as you guys, you you bring up Ole Miss and I get excited. I don't know why, but I love this football team this year. Um, You know, I, I you know I I think that's an offense that has improved from last year. We saw the improvements the year went on in Bo Wallace, and it doesn't look like he has regressed at all. Jeff Scott's been a wonderful playmaker. I, you know this is in the defense. Let's let's give Ole Miss credit. Their defense was pretty bad last year, and it's actually improved. You know who would act? You know who would have thought? You know by and you know bringing in all these freshmen like Robert Nimkidichi, 
you know, number, he was obviously the number one overall uh, high school recruit in the nation for a reason. He's been pretty solid defensive end. But that being said, I think Alabama wins this game. Uh, it's in Tuscaloosa. They're coming off a game against Colorado State, which, let's face it, was, was pretty ugly. Um, you know, I just don't think Alabama covers the 16-and-a-half. Well, now it's down to 15-and-a-half. I don't think they cover the 15-and-a-half spread. I think this is a game where Bama wins by about 10 points. You know, they kind of ice it in the fourth quarter. Well, I, look, everybody's on Ole Miss. They, they talk about how great Ole Miss played last year. Uh, at Tuscaloosa, they just flew out Texas. They had a bye week. Trey, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Ole Miss going into Tuscaloosa and winning this game. I don't even think they cover. I think it's going to be close, like in that. But I think Alabama will win by 17. I think the line's 15. But I think Alabama's defense will find a way to make some plays at home. They have special teams. Uh, defensive touchdowns all season. I think it continues against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not there. I mean, they, they got to play Alabama this week and Auburn ne- uh, next week on the road, Trey. Uh, give us your thoughts. Can Ole Miss pull an upset? Yeah, I mean, a couple of thoughts on this. One is, you know, Alabama has been or is the absolute worst number one undefeated team in the history of the world. If you listen to uh, you know, radio, if you listen to message boards, I mean, I have never heard so many people uh, saying how just how the Alabama program is, you know, beyond repair. You know, they can't you know, imagine this team and how they're undefeated. And you know what? It just it shocks me that the number one team in the country could have so much criticism for being undefeated and playing decent competition. I mean, we're not talking about great. You know, obviously they don't have, uh, they haven't played. I don't think the competition that Oregon has at this point. But you know, we're talking about uh, you know Virginia Tech, an all right team. Uh, you know, Colorado State is certainly not a. Uh, you know, FCS or whatever we're calling them these days, the Division II school. Uh, you know, so I look at Alabama, Tarvin, they held a lot of players back last week against Colorado State. Their offense was, was if you watch the game, I mean, they really scaled back their offensive play calling, and they were they were not trying to show Ole Miss anything. And I think that's all Nick Saban going, I know I can win this game by 25 points. I don't have to open the keys or give the keys to my car, you know, so Ole Miss can prep for it. Uh, I look at this game being a little bit overhyped. I think uh, Ole Miss will lose this game. I think the Alabama will cover this, this spread. I don't think Ole Miss is there yet. Uh, and I think that uh, this is one of those games you're going to see a lot of things that you haven't seen so far this year from, from Nick Saban that he hasn't had to show us. And those players who were held out last week, oh, by the way, they're going to be back this week. So Alabama rolls, Tarvin. Well, I mean, the good news is if Alabama wins and beats up Ole Miss, at least it makes it easier for Auburn hopefully next week and Jordan-Hare, you know, to beat Ole Miss. Jonathan, <laughs> this could be a downward spiral for Ole Miss if they lose to Alabama and lose to Auburn. I mean, who knows, the young team, what could happen? I mean, I like the team. I, I like the watching them play. They're exciting. I mean, that freshman receiver they have, uh, Bo does a good job at, at running that system. But Paul made a good point. They've had two weeks to be able to prepare for this game. And you know Hugh Freeze is going to have some tricks up his sleeve early for Alabama. Alabama struggles with teams that, that run this offense. You saw it against Texas A&M. I mean, Bo Wallace mm-hmm. is not Johnny Manziel, though. That's a big difference. But Ole Miss has a better defense probably than Texas A&M. Hell, a high school team has a better defense than Texas A&M. So I'm just really to see, is the Alabama offense for real? I mean, scoring 40-something against Texas a and not much when I look at Texas A&M. But if they come out and do that against Ole Miss, I'll be more of a believer. 
But I'm still concerned, guys, about the offensive line of Alabama with the inability to run the football. If they go into against Ole Miss and they can't run the football, Trey, I think Ole Miss could pull the upset. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, there is something interesting about that, Tarvin, is, you know, think about it. Alabama's lost a home game the last two years. They've won the national championship. They've actually lost a home game. So it's not as if, I mean, this team has not been invincible I mean, at home. In fact, you would think if, you know, if you're, you know, just a, a tangential guy who doesn't keep a home and away stats from, you know, the national championship teams, you'd think, well, of course, they lost their two games on the road against tough opponents. But, no, they lost both those games at home. So, you know, and then there's a chance. I think if they lose this year, it's going to be at home. I mean, they got LSU coming to town later on. So I think, you know, I think this could be another year where they lose a home game. And it's not impossible to think that, you know, Bo Wallace plays out of his mind. I think that if they do win, if Ole Miss wins, they're going to have to have some crazy turnovers from Alabama. And, you know, Bo Wallace is going to have to just ignite the world on fire with his play. Well, All right. I mean, we forget that Alabama's greatest weakness is their secondary this year. Um, which is very unlike Alabama. So, you know, it, let's, let's not, you know, let, let's say that, you know, Bo Wallace is probably another big game no matter what. It's really up to Jeff Scott to produce uh, for Ole Miss to be competitive because if they can't run the football and they have to throw it the whole time, they're not going to win. Yeah. Well, guys, before we move on to our next two, our final two before we go, Coach Led is on the line. Um, to talk about Tennessee, what's been going on with him. Uh, I want to welcome Coach Lett to the show. How's it going, Coach? How we doing tonight? Things are going going well. So far, so good. Well, I know it's been a little while since we've spoken with you. You've had two big road games. You've been traveling a lot. I hope all's well with you, the your family, and the team. Uh, yeah, we had two big road games, two long road games. We didn't get back to. Three thirty in the morning from Oregon, then six days later I had to travel to Gainesville, and then we got back one one o'clock in the morning from there. So the guys are in a little low right now. So I had a little spike practice a little bit with a little music, crowd noise, and all that to get the guys going. But attitude is good, energy is very high right now. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting to the meat of our uh, schedule and uh, let's finish the season off strong. So what did what did Coach Jones say to the team? You know, that Oregon game was tough. They're honestly the best team in the country. I've been saying it for the last few weeks, just watching them play. They're a complete team. You're having to go up there on the road. And then playing a Florida team on the road with that defense, what did Coach Jones tell his team to keep them focused and keep them upbeat, really? Because there's a lot of football left this season. There's a lot of football left, and uh... – but the main message is each week we got we got better at something. And uh, with the Florida game, even though we turned the ball over six times, we were still right in a spot to uh, to win the game towards the end. Uh, we had a, we had a very good chance to win that game. We had a lot of turnovers, but give uh, tip our hats off to Florida, man. That defense and that that D line and that secondary is it's pretty impressive. And uh, one of the scouts came by. Before the game, uh, Florida last week, NFL scouts are coming in evaluating guys, and they said Florida has eight guys on that defense going going next year to NFL, and uh, it showed. I mean that that is a that is a true SEC defense, and uh, hats off to those guys. They they played real well, and uh, we start we started our uh, young fresh uh, fresh or freshman quarterback last week, and. Uh, had a few issues, but we're going to be all right. We're going to bounce back. 
We did do some things well. Defense got a pick six off the bat. Special teams played pretty well. So we did some things well. Coach Jones is going to bid off of that. And uh, we know it's a process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You're not going to uh, just come out the gates winning the championship like you like you want to. Because you keep getting better day by day. Well, Coach, one thing I noticed, and, and I saw it in our team as well, is is when you got down, you know, you got up seven nothing, and you started get falling behind. That team, that Tennessee team, never quit. They kept fighting harder and harder, like they were playing, you know, to win. They weren't they weren't going to get embarrassed. And that's one thing I want to to bring up to you is I see the coaching staff what they're doing. I saw Coach Jones on the sidelines the entire game. No matter what the score was, he was coaching every play and coaching his team up, and I really do believe that's going to pay huge dividends in the weeks to come. Oh, without without a doubt, we uh, coach every play, every detail, no matter what the scoreboard say, uh, whether we're up by fifty or down by fifty, we coach every play, every guy, and no detail goes unturned, no detail goes uncoached, and uh, we're gonna keep keep coaching that way. And as you see, Coach Jones is a very intense. Fiery guy on the sideline, and uh, we we had our shot Saturday. Uh, Florida had the better day, and uh, they won. But uh, the young cats, they got a lot of young freshmen got their feet wet in the swamp. Going to the swamp is not a uh, easy place to go to. I mean, it was a, a very rough ride once you get into Gainesville. Uh, they let you know that uh, you're not welcome there. So our freshmen got a taste of that, and uh, they got welcome to the SEC. We had a few guys who uh, kind of got got shook a little bit, and uh, they'll be all right. Got out of the system, so now we're going to build on that, build this experience. Got South Alabama this week, and then we'll get into the rest of the SEC schedule. Hey, Coach, this is uh, Trey. Just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, say hello to you. Hey, uh, you know, you guys are, um, you know, Coach Jones shook up your, some of your, I guess, your quarterback rotation. So tell me about, uh, this South Alabama game, and what do you guys um, you know, hope to figure out this week and, and really keep improving? I mean, it looks like the program has improved each week. So tell us about what you're looking to improve upon this week against South Alabama. Well, we want to improve more on the, uh, on the fundamentals. Uh, uh, defensively, we want to tackle a little bit better, leverage the ball a little bit better. As far as offensively, we want to be better uh, on third down. We, we The last couple of weeks, we've been pretty bad on third down. Granted, Florida has the best third down defense in the country for us that wise. But uh we want to be a lot better on third down and uh really staying above the chains on first and second down. Uh right now uh Worley is the quarterback. Uh Peterman got hurt. Uh but Worley is the Worley is the guy. So we want to keep building on him and the offense rally around him and uh keep getting the ball to our running backs and uh running behind the offensive line a little bit more. But I think our biggest thing is just taking care of the ball. First two weeks you took care of the ball, last two weeks you didn't. And that, that honestly shows your wins and losses right there. You take care of the ball, you give yourself a big chance to win. So ball security is going to be huge. And defensively, just tackle better. We missed a lot of tackles. They had Florida last week had 90-some yards on two plays because of two missed tackles. Wow. Yeah. That, 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 that changes ball games right there. And, and coach, you talk about you know being on the road in two very tough environments. Uh, how, how good is it for the players and the coaching staff to be able to come home now and you know refocus on a new opponent? You know, have, having been on the road, what is, what, can you tell us about that experience? 
Well, it's, it's great to play in, in Neyland Stadium, the best stadium in all of college football, so that's great. And you, you, you get that extra day. People don't realize, outside of the college football world, that travel day is a, is a pretty long day for these for these young kids. Uh, you, you got class in the morning, then you typically leave around lunchtime. You got a three, four, five-hour flight. You get there. You practice at the, at the visiting stadium. Then you have meetings all day. So these kids are up at 6 o'clock, and they don't go to bed till 11. So it's, it's an all-day thing. And uh, everybody knows athletes are creature of habits. When you when you travel, you kind of get off your routine a little bit. So it's great to get back in uh, Knoxville this weekend, get some home cooking, uh, and have some fun in that aspect. Well, well, Coach, I mean, looking at your schedule, the month of October, you got September 28th and October. Uh, I mean, it's a brutal schedule. We we talked about this before the season even started. How brutal it is. And one thing I, I wanted to ask about the depth of your team, you know, and against Oregon, you, know, you guys played very well, fundamentally sound defense in that first half or in the first quarter. And then and last week I saw a lot of improvements on your defense. But is depth a concern with you guys? And what are you doing right now to, to ensure it doesn't happen if the season wears on, maybe getting the guys or getting more players actually playing that hasn't played yet? Depth is an issue. Uh with the, uh, the the probation we had a few years ago and whatnot, death is a uh, small issue, not a real probation. But uh, what we've been doing is taking our younger cats, spending about 15, 20 more minutes with them after practice, and uh, going through a little fundamental drills with the, with the younger with the younger guys, so they're ready to go when a number is called. Also, spend a little more time in the field room with these younger guys, bringing them in 10, 20 minutes early before meeting starts, just to get them. A little bit more one on one one on one time with them, and that way, when the numbers called or it's time for them to go in, they won't be shell shocked and they will have some kind of exposure. So that's what we're doing: just spend a little extra time with the younger cats because depth is a big issue for us right now, and uh, we're still trying to find guys plugging here here in different positions and whatnot. But uh, we're just gonna keep plugging away, and like Coach Jones say, we're just gonna coach every day like our hair is on fire and give the kids the best shot that we can give them. Well, Coach, I just want to thank you for coming on, and hopefully since it's a home game and early kickoff Saturday, you can join us uh, Sunday evening and talk about the South Alabama game. I will do that. We will, I will be there with you guys on Sunday evening. All right, Coach. It's it it great to have you, and good luck, and, and go balls. Thank you, and go balls. Thanks, Coach. Well, that's Coach. That's Coach Lett for the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, Trey, it's good to hear the team's, you know, upbeat. It's hard to get kids focused, especially after a couple of losses. But I think, you know, Coach Jones is doing a good job of selling these kids on the big picture, and not just this year, but laying a foundation. Some of the upperclassmen, just like they said on CBS the other day, these upperclassmen need to lay a foundation, help lay that foundation for Coach Jones and. All it takes is a couple of great recruiting classes, and, and Tennessee's right back where they need to be to compete in the SEC. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing that he said, you and I have been talking about, is, you know, the difference in home and away. And, you know, and he talked about how that, that, that travel day really is a lost day for preparation the home team gets. And, you know, you know we, talk, we talk about it ad nauseum, the NFL and college football. It really does matter. Those travel days really do matter, and that's one of the, the advantages to being home. So, you're talking about that's something we just talked about, and there it is, you know, a college football coach telling us this will get. 
And I watched the Tennessee game uh, with my father-in-law, big, huge Tennessee fan on Saturday. And, you know, after the loss, he wasn't terribly upset because he could see the difference of teams, what they're trying to do. And they're they're moving forward. You know, you can see a game. You can just like Auburn on the road at LSU. They lost the game, uh, but you can build on that. You can see the teams heading in a different direction. I like the attitude and the body language of Tennessee on Saturday when I watched them, and when he watched them, he told me that exact same thing. Body language is everything. That shows if you're engaged or not. If you're really sold out for your team. And trade Tennessee, they are. It's just a matter of getting in there, getting through a brutal schedule. Most teams have played all cupcakes right now, and they're getting ready to get started. Well, Tennessee had to go on the road and play the best team in the country in Oregon. Then they had to go to the swamp and play in that hostile environment against a a tough defense, breaking in a a brand-new quarterback on the road. So we'll know a lot more about Tennessee as the weeks come. But that October schedule trade looks tough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, they got a lot of good games coming up. So, Tarvin, you want to move on to our number two game? Yeah, number two game, the 23rd. This is a Big Ten game. The 23rd ranked Wisconsin Badgers with their new coach going on the road to number four Ohio State. They're 4-0 and trade. Braxton Miller is probable and should start this week. Do you think that it's smart starting him after the success the backups had in this game? Well, Guyton is actually – they're listed as co-starters in this game, which I think I have a lot of people scratching their head of what's going to happen. But, you know, it's really not that surprising. You look at – the success he's had, Tarvin, I mean, it's hard to put that guy back on the bench when he's had that kind of success. Yeah, it it is. I mean, I look at Braxton Miller, but a lot of coaches believe that, you know, you don't lose your job because of an injury. But I'm under the school of, yeah, you you can lose your job. If someone comes off that bench and plays better than you do, then they're going to get the job. But you can't bench a Heisman, uh, you know, a preseason Heisman favorite, really just because he's injured, especially when you haven't even started your schedule yet. So, Jonathan, I mean, Ohio State comes in this game at home. It's a night game. I just don't see Wisconsin hanging around with this Ohio State offense. I do think they can score some points on the defense, but I think at the end of the day, Ohio State's just a little too much for Wisconsin. Um, yeah, I agree. I think Ohio State does win this ball game. Um, I mean, if it was in Madison – yeah, uh, yeah, Camp Randall would be rocking, and I think Wisconsin took Paul Kipps. I think Wisconsin is a talented team. But I think this game, being at the horseshoe, and Ohio State just rolled Florida A&M last week, and they put up some big points on Cal. This offense is looking really solid right now. Uh, you know, and Braxton Miller is starting this week, which I think is, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he looks after missing, you know, the past couple weeks due to uh, the sprained ligament in his knee. You know, and we got to remember who, you know, the backup, Kenny Goutin, you remember who he put his stats up on. I mean, he sets the school record for six touchdown passes, but did it against Florida A&M. I mean, how impressive is that, really? Yeah. Trey, are you ready to to call the upset in this game? Uh, yeah, I think this game, uh, I think some, I'm watching the chat room and people think that this game's even lopsided. Tarvin, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, he put up the numbers again. No names, but these are the same no names that Ohio State could barely beat last year. You know, and Braxton Miller is the quarterback. So, you know, I, I look at this, Tarvin. You, these teams are kind of actually evenly matched. I mean, you know, you're talking about passing a, uh, offense. You know, most of these teams struggle. 75th for Ohio State, 89th for Wisconsin. Rushing offense, Wisconsin's third in the nation. Ohio State's sixth. 
Uh, on defense, uh, Wisconsin's a little better. They're 19th and 6th, respectively, versus the pass and rush, where it's 46th and 9th, respectively, for Ohio State. So both teams kind of stop the run, but Ohio State gives it up in the air a little bit, uh, probably because they're up a little bit more in, in the games people are passing against them. So I think this is a, a little bit more evenly matched. I think this game's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I do think Ohio State wins it. But I, I think this is where, again, you're going to see Braxton Miller probably knock the champion here. I think you're going to have the backup come in, get some snaps in, uh, whether it's because Braxton Miller's knee doesn't hold up under the, you know, when he tries to run. Uh, but I really do think that you're going to see um, a closer game than I think some people are predicting. Yeah, I think it's going to be around the touchdown. But we don't know how good Ohio State is. I mean, they've played four cream puffs. I mean, that's usually – who they play, and we'll see over Urban Meyer, see how he looks on that sideline. But it's hard to bet against a team that can run the football physically like Wisconsin. It wouldn't surprise me if Wisconsin won the game, guys. It, it really wouldn't. I, I think that, I mean, they're familiar with each other. They play all the time. But I'm not sold on Ohio State yet. I mean, I'm not sold on their offense until I see them play a defense. And this will be the closest thing to defense they played, if you can say Wisconsin's a great defense. But all of us are picking Ohio State, but Trey and I think it's going to be close. So this takes us to the game that everybody's waiting for. This is a huge game in the SEC Conference, number six, LSU, 4-0, on the road at 2-1, number nine, Georgia. Trey, Georgia opened up a three-point favorite in this game. It's dropped to two-and-a-half. Uh, man, this is a great game. Georgia's only lost at Clemson in the night game, 38-35, to I believe. Any chance? Um, I mean, I mean, it's not a chance. But who do you like in this game? You know, this is I've gone back and forth on this one. You know, my preseason pick well, this game was LSU. You know, Mettenberger has really looked better, um, but this is you know I'm looking at the Georgia defense, and you know this defense is not um, really any better than it was last season. You know, when all those guys were drafted in the first round, so. Yeah, I'm wondering here, Tarvin, is 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 does Mettenberger take another step forward, uh, or does you know Aaron Murray and, and you know Todd Gurley, uh, is this where Gurley sort of makes his name for the Heisman? Because this game is going to get a lot of press. Uh, so I think that you know we'll, the winner of this game will be the bigger of the star who develops out of this game. Yeah, I like in this game, guys. I I think Georgia. When I look at this game, I really like their offense. And if there's one weakness of LSU, I think, is a secondary. I think Georgia can expose it more than Auburn could. It was raining in that first half. But if you saw in the second half, Auburn hit some deep balls on LSU. So if they can do that, imagine what Aaron Murray and that team can do. Georgia has to win this game. They realize that if they lose this game, it's over for them. Uh, Right now, they are undefeated in the SEC. They win this game. I mean, it's just going to be hard looking at their schedule. Uh, to see another loss. And it could come against Florida. You never know. It could come against Auburn or Vander. Somebody could sneak up and get a Georgia team. But, Jonathan, if Georgia wins this game, it looks like smooth sailing to that SEC championship game. It really does. And I'm taking Georgia as well only because it's in Abdon. You know, I think Georgia, you know, SEC home field is huge. It really is, and I really like Georgia to uh, pull this game out. It's going to be a close one, and I have noticed LSU's defense has taken a step back from last year, as much as their offense has improved, and it has. I mean, Jeremy Hill's a great running back. They have two solid receivers in Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and Mettenberger's taking a huge step forward, and 
He's going home this week. His mom was given the week off at the University of Georgia. If you guys don't know, she actually does work in the administration building there. This is huge. Uh, you know, Mettenberger essentially going back to his first his first school. I mean, he was kicked out of Georgia. I, I just I just don't know if LSU's defense can, you know, make it enough stop against Todd Gurley and Aaron Murray. And I think Todd Gurley here cements the status as a legitimate Heisman candidate. Well, you saw Auburn rush for 220-something yards in Baton Rouge. What's Gurley going to do? And, Marshall, those guys can run the football. I love the balance of this Georgia offense. I'm not sold on LSU yet. I mean, really, I'm not. I don't know about Mettenberger going on the road. Georgia's defense is not great. But you saw Georgia struggle against North Texas, as we all thought they probably would. Uh, looking forward to this game. Trey, I like Georgia to take care of business at home and beat LSU. Yeah, right now, I'll tell you, Tervin, I'm really, really undecided. I'm going to pick Georgia for now on the show. I'm going to I'm going to reevaluate my picks on Saturday, and if I change it, I'll, I'll repost it. But, you know, you really look at it and think of what, how Auburn had success running against LSU really bothers me. I look at how much Georgia's been able to give up the run, and I look at Jeremy Hill, and that bothers me. There's just a lot of things about this matchup that I think both teams and both coordinators – can really exploit, and it comes down to who can make the bigger second-half adjustment and who makes a bigger mistake. And the reason I'm picking Georgia now is I think that if it comes down to a mistake, I, I like Georgia to uh, to make not make the mistake, and I, and I think Les Miles and Mettenberger are more prone to make it. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's going to come down to fourth quarter and second-half adjustment and which team makes the bigger mistake. And right now I'm going to pick Georgia Tarvin. Yeah, I mean, everybody had Georgia. They wrote them off. And, and we had Georgia. You know, I had Georgia preseason losing this game. Remember when we were talking? No, I think I picked Georgia. Yeah, me too. Beat LSU. I can't remember. I think both of us had losing. It changes week to week in college football. And when you watch a team, you get you start finding out more. But I saw LSU, and I'm not taking away from Auburn. I think they, they, they're a lot better team than they were last year. But I saw that LSU team. Um, laying down, they were give out, they were tired of what Auburn was doing. I just don't think LSU can take what Georgia is going to throw at them on the road this Saturday. I think Georgia has got less pressure on them, really. They've already lost the game. I think the expectations have went crazy for LSU for some reason. I just don't think they've really proven anything to me right now. So all of us are picking Georgia right now, and it could change. We could change our picks Saturday. That could happen, but um, I think Paul's picking LSU and Jason Humphrey's picking uh, Georgia. So two upset picks, I guess you could say. Um, LSU goes down, and I have Washington State beating Stanford. But, guys, I'm telling you, before we go, watch out for Arkansas to upset Texas A&M Saturday. Uh, as every indication of an upset. But, Trey, before we go, buddy, it's been a great show. Uh, we're about out of time for tonight. Give us your rant if you have one tonight. What's on your mind? And nothing tonight, Tarvin. I did want to make sure we got your other. You had two upsets, and you just got the second one out, and Jason had him ask about that in the chat room. So, Jason, there it is. I think, you know, we are going to see some shakedowns, some shake up in this top 25 this week. So look for some teams to either come out or some of these top 10 teams to lose. I think we're going to see it this weekend, Tarvin. I'm ready. Jonathan, thanks for joining us, bud. Uh, everybody in the chat room. 
Uh, we'll see you Sunday night. And, guys, Sunday night's going to be a huge show. I'm working on a couple of guests, lining them up for the show. And we're going to have some fun, guys. Until Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, have a great weekend and enjoy all the football. We'll see you later. Mm-hmm.